Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, we finish our little series on mathematical symbols this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a bit different for me to prepare. It's much easier to go through a book or a character, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And today, we're going to talk about division. Uh, not a very positive word, most people will say, but a very wise man once sang these words. With love to guide us, nothing can divide us. Do you know who that was, the, the wise man? He also sang that there were too many broken hearts in the world and too many dreams can be broken in two. Any, any closer? No, no. He also played Joseph and sang, I wear my coat with gold. No, Jason Donovan. Who'd have thought that Jason Donovan, star of Neighbours and 80s pop star, could sing so much truth in his songs? The fact that with love to guide us, nothing can divide us. If you read the whole lyrics for the song, it's quite interesting, but two parts in that song stand out. There's one part that says, hold your head up high and let everybody see that with love to guide us, nothing can divide us. Hold your head up high and let everybody see that with love to guide us, nothing can divide us. And it also says, you can put your trust in me, love will have its victory. That's true, isn't it? If that was God speaking to you this morning, you can put your trust in me. That's God speaking to your hearts because love will have its victory. In fact, love has already had its victory. Because we'd love to guide us, nothing can divide us. Obviously, Jason is talking mushy, romantic feelings of love. He's not speaking biblical truth, I don't think. And I don't think Stock Aitken and Waterman wrote that song for that purpose. But we know that the Bible says God is love. And that with God to guide us, nothing should divide us. The difficulty is sometimes we let ourselves get in the way. And often when we put us on the throne, there is division. And God says to you that you can put your trust in him this morning and you can know the victory that he brings. So maybe today's message is especially for you this morning. And uh, if you're lucky, 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 I won't go on too long. Oh, it's already been Kylie irregular to start with, but uh, Jason and Kylie... It's a bit of a tenuous link for a joke, but anyway. So today, my iPad is going a little bit crazy, so I might have to get my phone, but we'll see. Division is not an easy subject. We want to be united. We want to be together. We don't want to be divided. We don't want to be against one another. Maybe I could say shared instead. Maybe the symbol could mean shared, because that sounds a bit nicer, doesn't it? Shared. But actually, it means division. Shared sounds a little less harsh to our ears. I could talk today about how God wants us to share the love that we have, to share everything that he's given us. But I want to look at two places today, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, 
where there is an example of division. One is a positive example, the other a not so positive example. We've got to start in the Old Testament with the exodus from Egypt. The Israelites have left in their thousands. The Israelites have, have escaped Egypt. They've escaped from the Pharaoh and they come up against the Red Sea on one side. They come up against the Red Sea on one side, they come up against the Egyptian army on the other and they all of a sudden they're in a desperate situation and there is division. Pharaoh has realised that he's lost his entire workforce overnight and he wants them back. Throughout the Exodus story, there's a phrase that happens. Do you know it? It says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Throughout the story of the plagues of Egypt and the escape from, from Egypt, it talks about Pharaoh's heart being hard. Fifteen times during the plagues, it says Pharaoh's heart was hard. Seven times, it says that the Lord hardened his heart. I find that really difficult to understand, that God hardened his heart. But actually, three times, it says he hardened his own heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What we love determines who we are. That's what it's saying. What we care about determines who we are. So Pharaoh wanted to reject God and exalt himself. He wanted to put himself on the throne and be the all-powerful. In fact, in Egypt, the Pharaoh was considered to be God. So Pharaoh didn't want somebody else coming on the scene and taking his thunder. He didn't, wasn't interested in that. Although he's had so much evidence of God at work and God's power, in fact, every plague of Egypt, the reason there were 10 plagues is every single one of them knocked down a different Egyptian God to show that God Almighty is the all-powerful. He's more powerful than the river God. He's more powerful than, than the, the, I don't know whether there was a locust God, but I know that every single plague destroyed the idea of an Egyptian god being powerful. And every time, the Lord hardened his heart or he hardened his own heart. To understand why God hardened his heart, we need to look at different verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 24 tells us that God judges the world by handing us over to our own desires. God judges the world by saying, here's what you wanted. That's a scary thought, isn't it? God judges the world by saying, this is what you're after, so I'm giving it you. Getting what we want is seen as a curse. And actually, many of us are sitting there at this moment thinking, I'd really like this. I'd really love it if this happened. I'd really love it if we could go down this route. Our desire has to be for a heart full of love. That's a heart full of God, a heart full of love. Because with love to guide us, nothing can divide us. We're born with hard hearts. We're born with those hard hearts. And we can choose to make them harder ourselves by saying, God, I want to exalt me, not you. Or we can exchange them for the soft heart of love that only God can give. It's your choice this morning. Do you want to stay hard-hearted or do you want a soft heart full of love? So what do we love? Let's read the passage from Exodus chapter 14 looking at verses 10 to 18. It says this, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, 
and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone to serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Here we see massive complaining against the leader. We see massive complaining about their situation. Why did you bring us out of that place? Well, actually, in that place, you were slaves. You were oppressed. In that place, you were worked to the bone. In that place, you didn't really have. And I'm taking to a land of plenty. But they could only see the small picture. They could only see the short term. They could only see the Red Sea and the soldiers. They couldn't see anything else. We see huge complaining, massive grumbling and complaining. We aren't getting our own way, says the Israelites. We aren't getting what we want and now we're stuck and we're scared. Why did you take us down this route? They're hardening their heart towards God and what God can do. Because the beginning of division is when somebody doesn't get its own way. The beginning of division is when we don't get the very thing we want. And this division starts hardening hearts It starts to harden hearts and we can even be very spiritual about division and we can surround everything with thus saith the Lord. We can pretend, you know, we can almost be prophetic without actually hearing God. But today we need to have soft hearts, a willingness to be led and to lead, even if it means not getting or going our own way. The chapter goes on to say this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. In this story, who gets the glory? Who gets exalted? Who is the exalted one? Is it the Israelites? No. Is it the leader, Moses? No. Is it the Egyptians and Pharaoh? No. God gets the glory. God gets exalted We can put our trust in him because he will win and has won the victory. It goes on to say this, then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, move on. Sometimes we need need to hear those words, don't we? Just move on, move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. In other words, the Egyptians will get what they want and continue chasing after God's people. God will harden their hearts. They'll get what they want. And ultimately, they'll be covered by the waves. I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The sea was divided. That's a positive thing. God can split things apart so that we can have a way. Have you ever been in a supermarket queue and the till opens next door and you just think, I'm next, I should go, and somebody gets in front of you? I can see Tim Hoffins getting a little bit angry inside at the thought of it, that somebody else might take his place in that queue. I can actually remember going to Alton Towers and my wife getting a bit excited about somebody pushing in and holding places in the queue, but we won't go there, Ros. But actually, I was in Aldi this week, and I just needed 
two things. I had them in my hands. I didn't even have a basket. I didn't have a trolley. I needed two things to be able to, to make tea. And actually, a new till opened. And I thought, that's for me. And I walked. And just as I got there, two people went in front of me. One with a big trolley and one with just a few things. And I started going, wow, how dare you? I've only got a loaf of bread and something else. I can't remember what I was buying now. But why was I crossed? Well, because I thought it would have been nice for me to be served quicker. That's why I was angry, because I thought I, I, would, I should get served first. I only had a few things. Actually, I should have deserved it. Why did I get crossed? Because I wanted my own way. I wanted what I wanted. The lad who came second in the little race to get to the new till was actually a pupil I used to teach. And he turned around and he went, oh, is that all you're getting? Go in front of me. Oh, I felt so good. Still felt angry about the first lady that got in front of me as well, but I felt so good because he allowed me to go first. How is God seen? He isn't seen in the complaining. He isn't seen in the grumbling. He isn't seen in the fighting. Because in those situations, we are putting our needs and ourselves at the front of the queue. He's not seen in those things. God is seen, when we read this story, when we simply wait on him and allow him to do the moving and allow him to bring the opportunity at the right time without us even trying. That's when God is seen. That's when his glory is seen. When we've not pushed and when we've not shoved and we've not moaned or complained and we've not put ourselves to the fore. It's because of his grace, not because of our grumbling. It's because of his mercy, not because of our moaning. And it's because of his power and not our pushiness is when God's glory is seen. How was God seen here? He was seen in the division of the water. He was seen as the water split in two and created dry ground for people to walk on. He was seen in the fact that the Egyptians were defeated. Against all odds, the Egyptians were defeated. Why? Because God is all-powerful. He gained glory because it was only possible in him. He made a way where there was no way. And because he is able. It says in the passage a little bit later that a strong east wind divided the waters. I've always wondered about that. And actually, as I've read this, I looked a bit deeper into it. And that word, a strong east wind, is also translated a great, the great mighty spirit. The great mighty spirit. Last week, we looked at the very beginning of Genesis, and it talks about the spirit hovering over the waters. This is the same spirit. God's Holy Spirit divides the waters, creates a way, provides a passage. The same spirit that hovered over the waters at the beginning of Genesis, the same spirit that split the sea in two, is the same spirit that lives in me and you, if you're a Christian. The same spirit that can be available to you, that splits the sea, that moves the mountains, that makes a way possible where there was none. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what it's about. And God can divide those two things and provide a way. God divided, made it happen. However, usually when we divide things, we end up with less. Usually when there's division, there's less. But God is greater. 
God is greater. So division is not always a good thing. In fact, that incident is probably the only time I can see it being good other than Jesus sharing the bread out at the feeding of the 5,000. doesn't say he divided the bread, though. But we see in the New Testament a different tale of division. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 to 30 says this. Then they brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people, that's all the people, were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? That's the title of the Messiah. That's the title of the one that's been promised. Could this be him? They were all amazed. But when the Pharisees heard this, the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, when they heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul that the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. It's only by the devil himself that this man has control over them. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? They were driving out demons too, the Pharisees. But they didn't want to give God the glory for what Jesus was doing because they thought themselves more important and they hadn't been able to do it. If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? But then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, in other words, I'm here. God on earth. God in a body. Here to stand before you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me is a, sorry, whoever does not gather with me scatters. Let me read that last bit again. Whoever is not with me is against me. If we're not with Jesus, there's no gray area. We're either for him or we're against him. I want to show you a picture this morning of unity. Some of you may have heard of a circus group called the Flying Wallenders. This is the Flying Wallenders, okay? And uh, they devised an incredible circus act called the Seven Chair Pyramid. This was them on a tightrope. You can see four on the bottom, two stood on uh, sticks balanced between their shoulders, and one sat on a chair on the very top. I don't think I'd want to be the person on the chair, okay? But in 1962, they were 32 feet up, no safety net. They'd done it loads of times. They'd no, no precautions, no, no, no catching them. In 1962, the man at the front stumbled, fell with catastrophic effects. They fell to the ground with some fatal injuries. One person caused the total unraveling. Now, I am not saying that they were arguing 
that the people on the bottom were saying, oh, you, can you not walk a bit faster? Or the person on the bottom in the middle was saying, oh, why can't you carry this one? They're a bit heavier than the other one. Or why can't I sit on the chair? Could you imagine if those seven people were having a bit of a spat? I don't think I'd be very confident getting up on that tightrope without a safety net so high up in the air. But I believe that picture there shows us what unity is. Because there's dependability, there's trust, there's faithfulness. In this picture, we could say that God is the tightrope because actually he is there, he's dependable. He's bigger than a tightrope because he will not let us drop unless we choose to. However, this is a picture of what church can be. God's kingdom here on earth where actually he calls us to work together as the body. He calls us to be united as one. He calls us to give him the glory. When you see something like that, you go, wow. But actually, when we see the church, we should go, wow. Isn't God amazing? Look at that love they have for one another. Look at that love they have for their others. Look at the love they have for their enemies. I was reminded this week of the story uh, quite a few years back when uh, a gunman went into an Amish community and shot families, killed. And the families of those Amish uh, that, that had been killed went to his family and said, we forgive you. Wow. That's incredible grace. Incredible mercy. God needs to have the glory because division can cause stumbling. Division can cause somebody to fall off the tightrope. Division can cause people to to just totally unravel. One person can cause an unraveling effect. Can you imagine being asked to sit on that chair at the top if you thought that the two people on the bottom had had a bad day? As church, we want to be able to hold one another but exalt Jesus. We want to lift him onto the chair. And if he's on the chair and God is underneath, and the Holy Spirit is all around, then people should see the glory of God. But so often we're squabbling on the bottom row, and as a result, Jesus won't be seen on that chair. We need to be united. Division causes stumble. Division causes a lack of trust and a hardening of hearts. Here in the story, Jesus is accused by religious people, by people who, who claim to follow God, who claim to know God. And he's accused by saying he's the devil himself. That's what's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, giving some credit to somebody when Jesus is the one that's credited. Jesus doesn't get the glory from them because they say he can't be like us. He doesn't follow all the rules we follow. He doesn't do all the things we do. He's not as good as us. Yet actually Jesus was the Messiah. The kingdom has come. He is here. He's lauded by some as being a demon himself. Why? Because people didn't want to accept him as Lord. Exactly the same as Pharaoh. People didn't want to accept him as Lord. They wanted to put themselves on the throne. They wanted to just worship anyone other than Jesus, other than this man who proved himself. God's evidence before Pharaoh didn't change his heart because he was determined to put himself first. The evidence of Jesus before people didn't always end up with people exalting Jesus because people put themselves first. Let's ask the question of ourselves today. Are we willing to say, your will be done? Your will be done. Your kingdom come. 
Because God's kingdom coming may look very different to our situation. It's the same as Pharaoh, not accepting Jesus as Lord. People who want to rule, people who want life their way, people who don't want God being the one in the driver's seat. Are you happy with God in the driver's seat of your life? With him in control? With him deciding where you stop and where you go? With him deciding when you accelerate and when you brake? With him deciding which route you take? Or do you want to be the one in charge? Because that's where division comes in. And division is not a good thing. When a family is divided, it falls apart. And sometimes irreparably so. And it can just involve one person. When God's people are divided, then they will struggle to exalt God. They will struggle to lift him high and give him the glory. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. How? That you love one another, that you are one, that you are united. Jesus says, if demons are cast out and people are healed, then you have evidence that I'm bringing in the kingdom. The choice was exalt Jesus or demand our own way. What will it be today? Will it be to exalt Jesus or will it to be, I'm fine, thanks, I'll have my own way. I'll choose the bits I like. I'll choose to go where I go. I'll choose to follow when it suits me. I'll choose to stand firm when it suits me. I'll choose to run into God's arms when I feel like it. But actually, when things are going fine, I'm all right, Jack. John chapter 7, verses 40 to 44 say this. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? It's a little bit like when people say, how could, how could somebody a good come from Salford? You know, sorry, Chris and Andy Lane, you're excellent and you come from Salford. Or how could somebody, yeah, I've heard people say, oh, Ascom, ooh, sorry, I think Ascom's lovely. Jake thinks Ascom's lovely too. But some people can be very prejudicial, can't they? Oh, how can anything good come from Liverpool? You know, I've heard that said. Here they were saying, how can the Messiah, how can God's person possibly come from Galilee? They didn't see the man, they saw their own prejudice. They saw their own choices. Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. They didn't know the whole picture. They thought Jesus came from Galilee. He was born in Bethlehem. They didn't know the full backstory. They chose to see the little bit and say, no thanks, you're all right. Some people saw him, some people didn't. But they were divided because of Jesus. That is true today. Many, many people, even people watching this, will be divided because of Jesus. Some saying, yes, I know He is who he said he is. I know this man has changed my life. I know that Jesus died for me, rose again for me, defeated death, forgave my sins so that I could live. And others will say, just not prepared to go the whole hog. I'm not prepared to go that far. I'm not prepared to put my entire trust. Jesus may divide us, but God makes a way where there is no way. How? By the power of his spirit, by the power of his word. 
by the truth of him. You know, division means God doesn't get the glory. Is it all about us? Is it all about us? Today, I want people to say when they watch a Springmount morning service, wow, God is amazing. I don't want anyone to say, I love listening to Johnny Harrison. You know, Johnny Harrison cannot change your life. Jesus can. Jesus can. I want you to lift your eyes higher. <laughs> because if it's about me, phew, I'm going to be like the first man falling in the, in the stumble, in the, in the tightrope. But with God, nothing can divide us. With God to guide us, nothing can divide us. Do you know, division means God doesn't get his glory. People will be divided about Jesus. They were then and they are today. But we've got to choose who we're going to exalt. So that's the question we finish with today. Who are we going to exalt? Will it be Jesus' way or will it be our way? That's the division. And God's judgment will be that we get what we want. So if we want a world without love, then don't choose God because God is love. If we want a world without God, be careful what you ask for. Don't be divided. Instead, be united in Christ. Be those that are soft-hearted and not hard-hearted because with love to guide us, nothing can divide us or separate us from the love of God. This morning, if you put Jesus at the heart of it all, you can be confident and know that nothing can ever divide us from him. Nothing will separate because he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love and I pray today that we will put division down. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody that we are uh, feeling against right now, we will choose love. We will choose to exalt Jesus in that situation. Father, I pray that if, if there is a situation ongoing right now with anybody watching or anybody in this building or me, myself, if there's a situation where there are people against each other, I pray, God, that we will put down our division and we will lift Jesus higher. And I pray as a result of that, you will be seen, you will be glorified, and others will be astonished and amazed and will find that way that comes only through Jesus. So Father God, I pray for everybody watching this morning and I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be soft, that we will choose Jesus' way, not just our own way. That, Father, we will follow the master, not be content with just being the maid. Father, I pray that your word will cut deep this morning and that we will choose you. In Jesus' name, amen.